Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. you to start practicing this. This was my prayer. You don't have to practice my prayer. The thing I want you to practice is your prayers. But I've had so much feedback about people that actually took me up on this over the past several weeks and have been praying this prayer, you know, and and using it and doing the thing that I was talking about, even using it in the mirror and looking in the mirror. This came out of me contemplating how much God loved me and what he said about me from Romans 12, 1 and 2. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, uh, I beseech you, brothers. So he's writing to a group of men. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God that you present yourself a living, holy sacrifice. Well, I was taught that that meant that you had to do repentance prayers to make sure that you were cleaned up before you came to God to present yourself. Were you taught that? It's not what it says, does it? It says, come and present yourself as holy. Didn't say do something to make yourself be holy. He said, look, take yourself and present it before me. See you as I see you. So join me in out loud confession. Father God, I present myself to you today according to your word and by your mercy as an acceptable, holy, living person that you love. You have chosen in your love to forgive me completely and totally for all time. I confess and receive that your thoughts and views of me today are kind, accepting, generous, and joyous. I confess that I am the delight of your heart and that your desire is to reveal yourself to me this day. I choose to surrender to your loving kindness and to declare your faithfulness to me. You have made me a new creation and I receive your everlasting love and will follow your leading of love in my life this day. You can sit down if you give somebody a hug. Okay, we've been on a journey of looking at abiding. So we've spent, a, this is about the fourth or fifth week. Last week was about abiding in difficult times. When you're in transition, both individually or with a group of people, and how that affects you, and, and we explored that, and we've been talking about what abiding means. So if you're new or you haven't been for a few weeks and you want to catch up, you can download the podcasts on the, on the website, newdaykc.org, and catch up with us. Now, what I want to say, just in a review, remember... Circumstances of life, trials, testings are not a barometer of wrong things. Those aren't signs that you're doing something wrong. In one aspect, they're life. We all go through life. Jesus and, and, uh, was very clear on it. In this life, you will have tribulations. It means icky stuff. It's going to come your way. Really, really stuff that's uncomfortable. Trials. I believe that those are things that utensils, if you will. They are things in life that God uses to train, develop, encourage, and specifically this, enlighten us. To come and bring light into our lives about who he is. It's about his being and our being. That's what abiding is about, that we're in unity together. So remember those words, that we're joined together. Now, 
One of the things that happens when difficulty comes is we think God is using them to produce fruit in our life. You know what? That's really not what produces fruit in your life. Even if you've had teachings about that, and I did have teachings that that's where you learn kindness, that you, know, that you have to have unkind things come into your life to learn kindness. That's really not true. It might reveal them. It might become evident. You may see fruit, but that's not the thing that produces the fruit. The fruit comes from the vine. The fruit comes from our life in God. Not the circumstances outside, but the internal and eternal aspect of God being in us and us being in Him. So this morning I want to talk about abiding fruit. What ha- you know, how does that fruit get there? So let's look at John 15, 4 again. We'll start there. And I'm just going to capture part of this because this is a course, and we've looked at all of it. But I want to capture this snapshot and read this this morning. And remember, these are invitations and assurances of God of what's going to occur in our life as believers. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Now look at this last part. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, it doesn't mean that nothing happens. It means you can't, you got to keep it in context, you can't make God's stuff happen in you without God being in you. It doesn't happen. So the way the fruit's developed is my acknowledgement that God is there, that I'm deeply immersed into who He is, that He's made His home in me, that... and. I've, I've used this language before, but I want you to really hear this. You are completely compatible with God. We, the, the things that we've been taught make us think that I'm not compatible with God, and so I have to keep doing things to make myself compatible. Beloved, when you received him, you received him. He's in you. That is... I, I, can, I know I overuse this word, but I can only think of one word. Stunning. You know, my, my little three-year-old grandson, he comes up and plays with the Lego blocks, and he likes to build this really high one. And he'll make it really, really high. And so we've used this language. I started using it. When he'd show it to me then, I'd go, Jack, that's amazing. So now he gets them put, last night he was putting them all together, and he looked at me and he went, Amazing. <laughs> But do you see how that works? Just like us, as dear children. God says, put these blocks together. And he looks at us and goes, Ah, Mansoor, you're amazing. When you hear that enough from God, guess what Mansoor will believe about himself? Amazing. He is. He's amazing. We're supposed to receive it as dear children. Now, this isn't, don't presume that I'm talking S, new agey, that kind of, that is far from what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the living word of God being in me. That's amazing. That is stunning. And he likes it. He likes it. Not just we like it, we like God being there. Guess what? He likes being there. He likes being in you. He likes you. And he's convinced of something. Without him, you can do nothing. So who has to be convinced of it? That's where that confession comes in. 
looking at fruitfulness, you have to do this. What is fruitfulness? Now, go, go on an exercise with me this morning. Who or what do those words describe? God? Fruit of the Spirit? Holy Spirit? You? Ah, thank you, Mickey. All of the above. Look at these words. So if I do, okay, here's where you can shut your eyes. Shut your eyes. Love. Gentleness. Faithfulness. Peace. Long-suffering. Another word for that is patience. Okay, you can open your eyes. I didn't do all of them. Who did you start thinking about? As I said those. Start thinking about God. I start, I start dwelling on who God is. So you going, oh, I resist that temptation in the name of Jesus. Well, that's a good willpower prayer. But what if you started going, God is my peace. He has made me to walk in peace. I can lay my head down in his peace. His peace he's given to me beyond man's understanding, beyond my own comprehension. Peace be unto me this day. It's a way different aspect of spiritual warfare, if that's the language that we can use. My good friend Mark Hendrickson says it this way. He said, I'd rather be a light bringer than a darkness fighter. He said that to me the other day. I said, I'll give you credit for it one time, buddy. (laughs) And then I'm going to own that one. I want a light bringer, light bearer. God is light. Me yelling at the darkness. Sometimes you have to yell. I've, I've yelled. Sometimes I take that authority. That's right and good. There's nothing wrong with it. I tell you what, you start speaking about the light of God, peace, righteousness. Think of this one, joy. God is the most joyous being in the universe. God doesn't have joy. God is joy over you. So what is fruitfulness? Now we know it came from Galatians 5.22. We know that. So let's read it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now it doesn't say the fruit of my prayer life. It doesn't say anything. It says the fruit of the Spirit. And speaking of the Holy Spirit, whenever it's speaking of the Holy Spirit in your Bible, it'll have a capital S. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there's no law. That means you can be in it as much as you want. Lavish yourself in it. There's no such thing as too much. Talk about freedom. Ephesians 5.9 says this, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, Truth. Wherever there's truth, the Holy Spirit's there because He is the Spirit of truth. Colossians 1.5 says, The truth of the gospel which has come to you as it is also in all the world and is bringing forth 
as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Guess what God's doing in your life because you received the grace of the gospel and the gospel of grace. It is. It's not, well, yeah, if I yield enough times. No, it is. It is. And I will tell you what, it takes more work to suppress fruit than it does to find it. You have to work really hard with your identity and keep telling yourself, no, you're not worthy. No, you're no good. No, who are you to think that you get that? Oh, no, not you. He, others, yes, but not you. That's a lot of work. That's exasperating work. But me receiving, God declares me good. Remember the scripture that Mickey brought us last week. You were filled, Paul was convinced, he writes to the Roman church, I am convinced that you are filled with all goodness. You and me. Able to teach. Why? Because I'm filled with all goodness. All of you teachers. I have to do is go read 2 Timothy. Servant of the Lord must be able to teach. You're teaching all the time, whether you want to recognize it or not. When we became Christians, we became teachers. Paul said we were letters. You are my letter. We're, we're God's poem walking outside of his being all over the earth. In here, out there, especially out there. Paul Ellis wrote this. Aren't you amazed that God operates this way? He was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Through people? It's like God is saying, I believe in you. See, I spent a whole bunch of my life telling God how much I believed in him. You know what's been one of the biggest changes in my life? Is receiving these past five and a half, six years. He believes in me. Well, that, not, that can't be because God knows all things and stuff. Oh, it can on a personal relational level. God believes in me. He's not weirded out, upset. Go, like, Why are you so weird? Why would you tell him you were cool? You know? Listen, listen. God's not, who's that weird puppet guy? The uh, uh, Jeff, uh, you know? I, I'm not the goofy little puppet, you know? And then, why did he say that? That's not, God's in me, not his hand moving my mouth. God likes us. That's the fruitful part of us. God likes us so much that we become God-like. Yeah, thank you. Oh, that's a good oh. That's not a, that's not a Homer Simpson. Oh, that's a good oh. God likes us so much that that fruit being in our lives, guess what we become? God-like, like God. Let us make man in our, like us, in our image. Connecting? Uh, Let me go on with Paul. So he says, I believe in you. I have confidence that you will come to rest in my love and allow me to reveal myself to you and through you. Carnal religion says it's all about you and your faith, so you'd better perform. But the gospel of grace declares it's about him and his faith. So rest. Paul understood very much this whole concept, and it's why, uh, why he said this, the life I now live, so Galatians 2.20, before he even talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the life I now live after becoming a believer in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. 
I'm living by the faith of God in me. The gift of faith. Every person, see, faith isn't something that we get to manufacture. Faith is also a gift from God that he put in us. We learn to exercise it, but if Ephesians 2, 10, very clear. You're saved by grace through faith, and that not of the faith came from him. It takes God to even believe in God. So it isn't something you have, but it is something you learn to manufacture or not manufacture, develop, grow into, increase. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. I immerse myself in it and I begin to grow. So, this is what I know. The fruit of the Spirit is first and foremost, first and foremost, an expression of the character and nature of God. Not a duty, not something I have to come up with, not something I can go back in my cooking lab and make up, not something that... The fruit of the Spirit is God. It's a reflection of His character and nature. Now here's, remember our God language stuff at the beginning of today's service. Abiding is a Christian word for that. When I abide in God's presence, it means this. My location is in God. Where I am, He is. Where He is, I am. Tracking with me? Okay, let's use a scripture that says that. For we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where are you at? When, when you pray, where are you at? Are you down here or are you up, seated up there? And if you're seated, do you know what that says? You have authority. When Jesus was seated at the right hand of the Father, King of the universe, he was seated in authority, throne of grace. You're seated in heavenly places. Now address those prayer needs. Will you ask or declare? See what comes from abiding? When I'm abiding in his presence, I can recognize where my location is. Where am I located? So these problems aren't problems, they're opportunities for God to declare his character and nature to me. Isn't that incredible? This is so, it's like, that's amazing. <laughs> amazing. When it happens, his nature, so when we do that, when we start seeing from heavenly places the nature and character of God that is being revealed to us, in us, and through us, it becomes evidenced both to us and to others. I don't have to prove my faith, I live in Christ. In Him we live, move, have our being. So, I'm even going to tell the name this time. Jim Lynn, he and I were talking about abiding, and so he sends me this Graham Cook. You guys want to listen to Graham Cook? Oh, man, he sends me this 20-minute Graham Cook thing that just wrecked my life all week in a good way. And Graham has a particular style in which, you know, some people refer to him as being prophetic. I don't know. He, he, he's a teacher, but when he does this stuff, it's more like, it's not foretelling, it's forthtelling. He starts declaring what's true. And I, I listen to his teaching, and he talked, started talking about God's character. 
And for me, I was connecting it with the abiding thing because I'm teaching on this. I'm going, <gasps> you know, and that's how God works. So here, here's this. Jim hears God and says to Lloyd, hey, I think I have a teaching you ought to hear. Now, Jim can think, <clears throat> well, it just came up in my head, and I was just like, I thought maybe it might be something that would encourage you. But you see, that was God speaking to somebody else in the body to get it to Lloyd to be a blessing. And I'll explain to you in a little minute how that works. And it's this. I'm just going to give you the framework. I'm going to tell you a little bit of what he said. Because it's a game changer if you can receive it. You know where it says God never changes? He, He changes not. Well, then how come the same stuff doesn't happen all the time? You ever wondered those things? I have. How come I don't see him do that? Well, he starts talking. He starts talking about God's character. He says this. God is always consistent in his character and in his relationship to you. You will always see the fruit of the Spirit from God because it's him. You will always, that is always the way he will relate to you. He will never change in his stance or position towards you or how he deals with you. It means how he interacts with you. But here's the paradox. He is consistent in his nature, but unpredictable in what he will do. You can always know where you're at with God, located, but you seldom know what he's going to do next. If you think you got it all figured out, guess what? He's going to do something totally outlandish because he asks us to do the impossible. And he says, without me, you can do nothing. With me, all things are. God will never give you more than you can bear. Bet me. (laughs) That isn't what I found. There's stuff I was going, God, this is unbearable. He's come a little higher. Come into my nature, my character. God changes not. He doesn't change. He's always consistent in who he is. We like somebody to predict, to to do predictive prophecy and tell us what God's going to do in our life. You know what? I think we ought to need to spend more time saying, oh, God's just so full of joy. He's just going to fill you with the joy when I see you on Thursday mornings and we get together to pray and you come in joyful. That means so much in my life. I immediately want to connect with you. Now, what God's going to do with you and your parents, what happens next? Honey, I have no idea, but I know this, the love of God comes out of you. And God's at work in your life. Why? Because there's fruit that's evident. Circumstances? That's how we learn the fruit of the Spirit. We learn who God is in circumstances. Now, God will always act consistently with who he is. I'm not talking about you can't trust him. I'm talking about you can't predict. Listen, if you could, he wouldn't be God. If you could tell me what God's going to do with this election, and some have... And I think back over the history of how many times I've been told by people what God was going to do with an election. You know how many of those came to pass? Now, if you tell me that God has no anxiety and he's filled with peace over the election that's coming up, I will nod my head and go, yep, that's right, because that's who God is. Well, then I shouldn't care and shouldn't vote. Now, that's silly. You're an American. Of course you vote. You take up responsibility. But those are different things. Don't mix them up. 
Those are apples and oranges, two different fruits. God is good all the time. God is joyful all the time. And I know this, just like Graham Cook, I've got this testimony. God is kind all the time. God has been so kind to me my entire life. Before I got saved, God was in the process of saving me. I didn't pursue him. He came after me. I don't have any problem with the free will thing. God knocked me off my horse. I hope he knocks you off yours if you're on one. He rescued me when I wasn't calling on his name. He interrupted my life to save me. Was it a product of prayer? Probably. I probably had a grandma, some, probably somebody prayed for. I know my sister did. Just save one of them, God. She got worn out seeing her three brothers be a mess. If you'll just save one of them, she didn't know it was going to be the worst one first. <laughs> he, re- he rescued me out of Dubai. I don't even like to talk about that guy anymore because he's dead. Why talk about somebody that's dead? But I know this. Before I even knew him, he loved me. When I was still his, making myself his enemy, Christ died for me. See, and then we think it's about us. So I have this, I have this conversation and, and yesterday with a dear friend, and I meant it from the bottom of my heart because we we three of us were talking about hearing God, and it was one of those wonderful God moments, and there was really the profundity of the Holy Spirit was going on and stuff. Mansoor, who God rescues out of one nation and takes him to another nation so that he can come to America, you can go, oh, God did an incredible thing for your life. You know who that was for? Me. Because he helps me and serves me all the time. He's my friend. I trust him. You can say whatever you want about his own personal destiny. God was kind to me that he would rescue a man from two other lands, bring him to America, and then get him out of the south and get him up to the Midwest. You think more highly of yourself than you ought, Lloyd. Uh Uh-uh. That's God's kindness towards me. God's always been kind to me. So kind. At my worst time, God didn't kick me to the curb. At my icky, fleshy worst, God didn't give up on me. He was so kind to me. Well, I'm going to have to knock you around until you get some stuff straightened out in your head, kid. No. You know how he called me into obedience? Lord, I love you. Lloyd, you're special. Lloyd, I've called you. Lloyd, I'm going to bless you. I'll bless you with a wife, and she'll be with you for many years. I'm going to give you children. I'm going to give you a church body, and they'll like you. God's so kind. You just stop right now. And you start thinking back over the kindness of God in your life. That's the fruit of the Spirit. There's not a moment in your life that God was unkind to you. Not one because that would not be his character and nature. Yeah, but he didn't make this happen. There was probably a very, very good reason that we don't understand 
as to why those circumstances happen. And that's where if I lean into the character and nature of God, I can trust. I can't trust in circumstances. I can't trust, oh, God's going to do this. Don't trust in that. Trust who he is. He's good all the time. He's good all the time. He's kind all the time. He's faithful to you all the time. Even when you're faithless, God remains It's the fruit of the Spirit. Will you give me five more minutes? I'm going to take them if you say yes. Okay. Okay. Let me me finish. This is a direct quote from Graham Cook. I think it's up there. No, it's not. So listen to this. You will seldom find security in what God is doing. Is it there? Okay, it is there. I'm sorry. He's the God of the impossible. You find it in his character, his nature, and his relationship to you. Situations are always beyond us. But his great heart sustains us. It's that song that we think, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I know I'm loved. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. That's abiding. Do you know how you know when you're not abiding? Flesh. That's the one thing you got. Here's the, here's the negative side of the thing. Is this how, is how I know I'm not abiding? Uh... And, and it's really interesting because the, the Word of God doesn't call flesh stuff, and we'll just look at it real briefly because I don't want to dwell on the negative too much. But it doesn't call that fruit. Do you know what it calls it? Works. The works of the flesh. That means you're laboring to do it. It doesn't call it the fruit of the flesh. As a matter of fact, for a believer... The works of the flesh, and this is a lie that's been told you, happen naturally. That's not true. You have to work at it. If God's in you, I know this is hard to say, you have to work at being angry. You got to stir yourself up. You got to decide, because you see, I know something. God's in you, and you know what he's, he's trying to get you to respond? gentleness the fruit's right there because you've been abide you've you've talked to it well it's so easy to slip in the flesh not when you begin to really abide and practice then it comes out of your being who god is in you so galatians 5 19 before the fruit stuff says this now the works of the flesh are evident that means they make themselves known and for christians this this is kind of weird because it starts out with the extremes and then Paul does an interesting thing. He takes it from the most severe thing down to the littler things. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. But look what it starts going to. Hatreds, contentions, that means arguments, jealousies, outbursts of wrath or anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So anything else that's icky, guess what? That's not really me, but I do struggle. And I think that's true for most believers. It looks like demand. The works of the flesh. We, we want to control. Looks like anger, because we want to control. It's amazing how many of these things have to do with control. It looks like selfishness because we want to come out on top. It looks like bitterness, because we don't want to move on. It looks like vindictiveness. Okay, I forgive you, but you'll pay for that. It looks like stubbornness. Well, I'm wrong, but so are you. 
Looks like accusation, spite. All comes in the heading of one word, guile. You know what guile is? The real definition of guile isn't just deception. The real definition of guile is doing whatever it takes to come out on top. I'll relate to that, what's going on in politics. Doing whatever it takes to win, to come out on top. You see, Christians are winning because Christ won. I don't have to make myself win. I can let it go. James 3 speaks to this. You, you read it later at your house. James 3, 13 through 18. This is one of my favorite passages. Uh, it talks about bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart. It says, if that's there, that's the work of the flesh. He said, don't boast and lie against the truth that way. What truth? Gentleness. Kindness. Filled with all goodness. Merciful. I'm sweet. I'm so much fun to hang out with. I'm really enjoyable to sit and have a cup of coffee with. I'm a truth talker. I used to use truth to try and sting people into the kingdom. That's not what true truth is. True truth is this. Jesus loves you so much. He's just going to stay consistent in your life every day. That's true truth. He won't change in his attitude towards you ever. That's true truth. That's you and I. So this is, we'll close with this. This is what it says a little bit later in John 15. By this, you're abiding, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be done my disciples. We don't have to work at being his disciples. What we have to do is acknowledge his fruit in our lives. Others will say, oh, there's, there go some disciples. We don't call ourselves disciples. We don't even have to call ourselves followers of Jesus. Let them call us what we are. Let them see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Jesus said, if you have love for one another, it's a bold statement, they'll know I exist. They'll know I'm real. When that fruit is in your life. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Bask in it. Immerse yourselves in it. Declare it over yourself every day. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Is this about obedience? Here's the commandments. Believe what he says about you. Remember, this whole thing was a command and an invitation. Do you believe it? Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. I don't want half-full joy anymore. I want crazy, amazing joy. How do I do it? Stand with me. Come on up and give us. So I just gave you a two-part lesson. This is from one of Andrew Farley's posts. Why didn't you just do this and we could have saved 35 minutes? That's so good. Oh, my gosh. So what I've been teaching this morning is so that you would learn who you are in Jesus Christ. Now go home. Wake up every day this week and be yourself. And now with God's help, 
I shall be myself. Put your hand on your heart. Say this with me. I'm delightful. I'm amazing. I'm incredible. I'm joyful. I'm faithful. I'm good. I'm kind. I'm patient. I'm so sweet. I'm so much fun. I am delightful. I am loved. And he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. All of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so! Oh, how us, how he loves us so. He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree. All of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affection is for me. Oh, how he loves us so.
he loves me, how he loves me so. And oh, how he loves me so. Oh, how he loves me. blessing on your life, on your finances, on what's going on with you, please, please receive this blessing because God wants to prosper you in the way that you go. He really, really does. Every promise. Remember to give before you leave. Come put offerings in the box. God works with that. I don't understand the mystery of all that, but God does it. Lord Jesus, you promised that there would be no lack, that you would be our provision, that you would be our fulfillment. See this people and bless them now in the name of Jesus. I pray that their finances would increase, that their debts would be canceled that you would do incredible, mind-boggling things, that you would wipe out medical debts, that you would wipe out car debts, that you would wipe away the indebtedness and remove that curse off their lives, and that you would now bring increase, new jobs, new opportunities, found money, all of those things I bless this people with. And I say over them, may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the abiding of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.